Welcome back to the Educator's Room Podcast, a place for educators everywhere, regardless of grade level or content area. Put down your grade books and grab a glass of wine and learn with our host, Francesca. Hello, everybody. This is Fran, your host for the Educator's Room Podcast. And tonight we have Jennifer White. Hey, Jen. Can you take a second? We're going to talk about the Genius Hour in schools, but can you take a couple of minutes and just give us a little bit of information about yourself? first person that I've, no, you're not the first person, but you're one of the only people that I've ever met that said they, they love teaching middle school. Everybody's usually like, oh, it's so awkward. It's so awkward. But so that's, that's very interesting. So before we, and they're not yet adults because I taught high school, nine through 12. And when they get to be seniors, they can feel, they can start feeling themselves a lot. So I guess middle school, they're still babies kind of. So, quick question. Now, before we start, you have an awesome blog. Can you give us a second and give us a little bit of information? Tell us the blog address um, and tell us what your blog um, talks about. Right. Perfect. Now, the first thing I want to start with, because I, I probably maybe six months ago is the first time I had ever heard about the Genius Hour. And I heard about it from when you wrote a great article about it. I think that was the second time hearing about it. But for those who do not know, and I'll link it in the show notes, guys, tell us what is the Genius Hour? What is it? Oh, wow. Okay. So it's such, that's such a great idea because I think one of the things as teachers is that we never get the chance to really focus on the things we love. Like if you're a great, you love drama and you might be the school's English teacher, does your principal release you for 20% of the day to pursue that love of drama? So it, it never happens, right? So kids get this. So, okay. So I have a lot of questions. How did you, how is it done in your school? Like, what are some of the things, how did you first feel about it when you heard about it? Like, how did you implement this? So, I had first heard about it, um, seeing it in elementary schools, they 
we do it on Fridays as part of, you know, one of their periods, but we don't have that luxury of having students all day to have that flex time. Right. Our school is introducing a ninth period the next year, and I really wanted something for those students that were already on level or above to be able to extend their learning, so I brought the idea to our superintendent about developing an entire class period based on Gmail. Oh, wow. So hold on. So you go to your superintendent. That takes, and that is like so awesome that you even had that relationship to be able to do that. What was their first reaction when they heard that? I think um, I, I kind of came very prepared. I had already developed a course outline, everything I wanted to do, along with a ton of research. And I think they were really pleased to have been given a plan already done, not just saying, I'd like to try this, can you figure it out? I said, here's what I want to do, here's everything involved in it, here's how we tell parents about it and students, and let's do this. And they were like, okay. Wow. Okay, so talk to us about implementation. So you go to your superintendent, your superintendent approves it, you take it back to the school level. What's the, because you know you're going to have this extra time the next, the next, um, school year. So how do you, how does it roll out? What do you do? Give us the, the details of that. So the first thing I did is identify students that would have um, met the expectations because our school did it based on test scores that could be in that class. And then I submitted a survey to those students to find out if they were the kind of students that they felt they were personally intrinsically motivated and that they could handle this kind of independent course. Oh, wow. Okay. So let's talk about how you determine from test scores. Because a lot of people, I think sometimes as teachers, we want everybody to be exposed to the same thing, which is great in theory, but when rolling something out, sometimes you have to kind of manage who's going to do it so that it can be implemented well. So how did you, did you pick kids who were um, on the cusp of proficient? Did you pick pick kids who are already above um, proficiency? What did you kind of do? Oh, wow. So the first, when you first introduced it to the kid, to the teachers, let's start with the teachers. How did they respond to this? A lot of them were just concerned how, how do we have all of this open time? And what do you do as a teacher when you're not standing in front of the class actively teaching? Because really the whole time you're kind of just monitoring what they're doing and conferencing. So that was a little scary to some teachers and that was fine because only, I was the only one who taught it the first year and then the next year um, kind of brought two other people in at different grade levels to talk to them. So it was really about comfort level okay. and stressing that you don't need to know everything that these students are going to be studying. You need to know how to support them. So it's moving from that instructor at the front of the room to being more of a coach. 
Oh, wow. So what kind of professional learning did teachers have to go through to do this? Did you just grab, like in teaching, we always tell my friends, like you always have a teaching best friend, right? Did you go to your teacher best friend and ask them to do it? Or did you guys purposely identify teachers? And if so, what were some of the characteristics of the teachers who you thought could do this program? Oh, wow. Now, you picked the teachers. Were there other teachers as the program started going along? They said, wait, 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 I want to do it. I want to do it. Did you have anything like that that happened? We did. So my first year when I was the only person doing it, the next year we had people say, I really want to try this next year. Oh. Oh, wow. Okay, so the teachers are on board. You've identified the kids. How did the kids first, like, did you set the kids set the kids down and kind of talk to them about what it is? Or how did you introduce this to kids? Because kids, and I'm, I'm just assuming middle school, but high school kids, they are, they would love time like this, but I could see it quickly going into, like, a study hall thing. So how did you introduce it to the kids? Yes. Yes. Okay. So that's really cool. So the growth mindset is what I'm hearing is growth mindset is huge with these group of kids because they have to be able to handle themselves in this un, it's not really unstructured, but to the eye maybe will look unstructured for people not knowing what's going on. Well, and then the other thing is too, some of the time their ideas don't really pan out. Oh, I didn't think about that. Like a hoverboard. <laughs> So let me ask you this. So you introduce it to the kids. You go over um, telling them, kind of giving them the parameters. What is a week one during this? What does this look like? So week one, I have them form a team. So they never work with their team. They always think they're going to do a partner project, and they don't um, because that would defeat the purpose. But they have a team that they can bounce ideas off of each other. So that first week, it's about working with the team. And I actually got the idea from the show Startup View. I think it was on MTV. Oh, okay. The leader had them play volleyball. 
brought in a deck of cards for each group and made them play Go Fish and then add or change a rule with every round. So they realized that not no ideas really are original. They're just changed, they're modified, and they evolve. Mm. So this is kind of our day one activity to realize, like, yeah, we don't need to, you know, reinv we're reinventing the wheel, not creating a totally new wheel. So that was our first thing that we did. And then the rest of the week, we spent the time focusing on brainstorming ideas. And we just dumped tons and tons of ideas. And they worked with our group to come up with feasible ones that they could really focus on. So that's the whole first week. Oh, wow. That's really cool. So how do you handle, because this will be a natural, a natural question for teachers who want to implement this. How do you, did you see any behavior issues or no because of the set of kids that you initially rolled this out to? Oh, no. Definitely still see behavior issues. Okay. Middle schoolers and they're totally impulsive. Right. <laughs> kids are, you know, are coming up with, like, wacky ideas or maybe not being super positive or other people's ideas so we sit down and talk about that too and how you, you really need to respect each other's ideas and each other's time so you're not bothering somebody all the time we set down a lot of ground rules for what a classroom period should actually look like right okay so somebody else for their Right. Let me ask you this. So the first week, the kids, now explain a little bit more in detail, like what do the kids do during that time period? Like how do they, I know they pick their passion, but how do you, like what parameters do they have? Like explain that a little bit more. Okay. So um, what they do is once they pick their topic, uh, we, they fill out a proposal form. So they have to develop an essential question. So it's kind of like any unit that a teacher teaches. There's this essential question guiding that unit. So that's what they develop. And then they identify who the audience is or their user base if they're developing a product for the project and explain why it's worthwhile. And then they have to consider what they want to learn and create a timeline for what they're going to be doing over the next nine weeks. So they actually have to sketch that all out in advance. Oh, wow. Now, I, I know you're saying all of this and you have a blog. Do you have any of these, um, do you have any of these documents on your, either your Teachers Pay Teacher Store or on your website? Do you have these documents for teachers? I actually have the whole course outline along with the um, tips and tricks, the proposal form, uh, how to write an essential question, and then um, the weekly blog topics and outlines. Okay. And guys, we'll have a link to that. So I want to say this, you know, if you're going to implement this, don't try to reinvent the wheel. She's implementing it. This is a great tool. I'm, well, let me not say, I haven't seen it, but I'm assuming it's a great tool because I've seen some of her other stuff, but I, I'm just so interested in this. So let me ask you this also. So the teachers, the, I'm sorry, the kids have all of this. How are kids graded during this genius hour?
which they had to have it memorized. They had to kind of make it like a TED Talk and engage the group. They got graded on their pitch that they gave to their groups. There are a lot of grades along the way. And then during our conferences, that was kind of my informal assessment of where they were at. Okay, so that's that's really good to know. So midway through, give us some of the things that you wish you would have done differently. Tell us what you, if you could redo that whole first year, what is, what's something you would have changed? So something I would have done more of is uh, the first year I didn't focus on the presentation aspect as much mm. of the ideas. Because I had never done it before either. Genius Hour was my Genius Hour project. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> so that would be my big focus, and that's why I changed that this year. That that presentation, those communication skills are so important. Because the first year it was a lot of reading off the PowerPoint, things like that. So I would completely focus on working on that. Um, along with, I started this year doing on Mondays. We would do an actual uh, technology skill. So like research skills and how to Google correctly and how to cite sources and avoiding plagiarism. So implementing that on Mondays as a mini lesson is super helpful and I wish I had done that from the very beginning. Oh, wow. Okay, so what's something that you feel like you did really well with it being your first year? I think really uh, letting the kids come up with such a huge variety of topics and not saying no. I really had to stop myself sometimes from saying, uh, I don't know if that's a good idea. I just kind of let them do it. And the projects they came up with were so varied and amazing. I'm so happy I kind of let go in that aspect. I wasn't on top of it. Oh, okay. So the first year ends in Genius Hour. Um, what do the kids do? Do they take... In, do they take a final exam, or is it more they have to present their final projects? How do you end the year on that? So we actually did one project a quarter. Okay. That was really nice. They would research something for nine weeks and then present. So it was more like four huge presentations throughout the year. And then at the very end, we reflected on it. I made a Google form with an evaluation. They discussed what their favorite project was and why, and if they would ever consider Now, so you finish the first year of Genius Hour. You're planning for the second year. What do you change? What do you? What did you do differently? Or is this going to be? Is this your second year right now? This is going to be the third year. Okay. So second year, how are things different? Is um, we really organize those Mondays uh, with the mini lessons. Oh. Okay. And so this, so the second year, how are you picking, how were students picked for the second year of Genius Hour? So this time uh, they didn't actually get a choice, which was not something I would recommend doing uh, because I ended up with some kids that it was really the last thing they wanted to be doing. Really? I would think kids would love this. Right. 
And so I'm assuming that your administration saw some value in the student, in the, the genius hour, right or wrong? Yes. Uh, okay. We had a lot of visitors in our classroom that first year from the assistant superintendent for secondary ed to our gift aid coordinator, our building principal, all popping in and our kids were really excited to show off. Oh, wow. And when they realized that it was a hit, are other, school, are other schools now in the district um, doing Genius Hour, or is it just still the original school who did it? So when we met with our PSUs in the district, some of them were uh, talking about the idea of getting on board, but we never got a chance to meet really with the other middle schools. So I'm actually not sure if they jumped on board and did it in the same way or modified it, but they definitely had... It had piqued their interest. Mm. And so the second year, everybody does it. How do you address, how do you implement it school-wide? Like, what are some things that you saw that you guys as a school did really well? What are some things as a school you said, you know, maybe we should have read, we should have done things a little bit differently? So some of the things that were done really well is we implemented it at 6th, 7th, 8th grade level. Okay. So I think the three of us, Okay. Technology. Uh, but something we really struggled with was not realizing that sixth graders really don't have the attention span to do a nine week completely <laughs> mini projects and more teacher focused with ideas seems to be that was kind of a learning curve for all of us. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, and a lot of that is because you mentioned something that I forgot to address, and it just popped in my head: technology. Can you take a second and talk to us about what technology was like during that first year and how you changed it, like specifically what you changed your second year? So the first year, uh, I was still learning all the Web 2.0 tools that they could use uh, to do their tech to do their presentations. Uh, but really all we needed that first year was our uh, classroom set of laptops, and then I had a Weebly account set up for students for their personal blogs. And then we just needed access to the internet. Okay. So next year, what I changed is I had students do an evaluation of the web tools, and I kind of narrowed it down to a list of these are the tools you can use, and here's what I don't want to see, which is 28 Prezies. And... <laughs> Oh, wow. Now, the different mediums they could use, you mentioned Prezi, you mentioned Paltoons. In that um, bundle that you're selling on Teachers Pay Teachers, is there a list of presentation tools? Or if so, can you give us an example of some that you really felt like helped your students be really creative? So I think I might have a list on my blog. Um, it's not in the Genius Hour handouts I have, but some of the ones I really liked was infographics. Um, oh. And I really liked seeing Storybird being used. Oh. Interesting for people presenting ideas. Um, there were a bunch that were really great. I had some students just do it completely on their blog, um, and that was really neat. Some of them created uh, web quests with interactive maps. Oh, wow, that sounds cool. So I'm Googling this. Okay. And was there a budget set up for 
for this class? Do you need a budget? You don't. Um, I actually had already purchased my own Weebly account, which I'm, I'm sure a lot of schools, or if you have Google, Google, you can just use Google Sites. Um, but we didn't need anything else, which was great. Oh, that's... Oh, wow. And so what do you do in the Genius Hour if a student, like their work, they have a project, they've, they've completed all of their planning materials, and then one day they just feel like not doing work? How is it, how is it handled? Is it handled where kids work at their own pace and, you know, you kind of counsel with students if they're getting off track? How does, it, how does that work? Mm. So I do it on Fridays or as needed. So I would see students that were kind of like just not feeling it that day, and I would just kind of sit down with them and have a conversation. Because usually we could find out that they they maybe hadn't thought out exactly where they wanted to go. So just by having a quick conversation with them, kind of giving them some, well, why don't you look into this? Mm. Why don't you check out if there's any research on this or see what other people are saying? kind of guiding them to get back on track. Mm. And, you know, I think it's so important because in high school, this maybe could work with every grade level, um, maybe not ninth grade, depending on depending on how you roll it out. But I think kids would feel, first off, shocked that people are asking them to um, kind of invest in what they're interested in. And then they would kind of feel liberated because so many times at school, especially high school, we tell them what to do. We tell them what they're going to take. But now we're saying, okay, now you tell us what you're passionate about. Oh, for sure. And it's really, it is just like you said, liberating for them to be like, oh, you, you care what I think? Wow. And so let me ask you this. Has implementing the Genius Hour, how has it changed your teaching philosophy, your teaching strategies, et cetera? It has totally made me want to incorporate their interests into every lesson I do in my languages classroom. So really seeing um, that they have such varied interests. Middle schoolers and high schoolers don't just care about Snapchat, believe it or not. Um, so seeing that, like, they really can think deeply about things showed me that I can take my lessons to a much deeper level than Because mm. I think we, we just kind of assume sometimes that there's some superficiality that goes along with adolescence, and that's not really the case. Mm. And I guess, and that's so important because as a teacher, um, I'm, I now work with instructional coaches, but my thing was how can I get the kids engaged as much as possible? So I always had to think of out of the way things like text to use. I always wanted them to see the value of English classes, not just Hamlet. Like Hamlet has a much better storyline than just somebody dying. It's sex, love, murder, rock and roll, all of those things. So I have to ask, when you doing this and you helping, have other teachers came um, reached out to you to say, help me, how do I implement this? Have, have you noticed that you've become the, the spokesperson for this program in your community or in your school or your district? Oh, 
yeah. And, you know, high school, middle school and high school, it literally gets neglected a lot of times. You know, there's a lot of emphasis on elementary school because the kids are so little. But kids in high school, this is, like, awesome for them. So I have to ask, and, you know, maybe what have you... Can teachers implement this if they don't have a class period set aside for it? Can they implement this class in their regular class? Like, can they do anything like that? Yes. Um, I'm actually moving to a new school this year. So Yay! Because I, I won't have this as an entire class period this year. But even if, you know, you're just in your regular classroom, it still fits all of the standards follow Common Core or any standards for speaking and listening, for research and analysis, for writing, um, all of it can be covered within an English classroom, a social studies classroom, and it's really such an amazing thing for them to do. Like, I would switch it off maybe with a silent reading, which I still think is super important. Exactly. Very important. Um, so I, I still totally think it can be done, even if you could just devote one class to it, I think it would still be really useful for them. Now, I wanted to turn, I wanted to start talking about something that's a little bit different. It's still genius hour. You know, this is really, I see the, I hear the passion in your voice with it for students, but how awesome would it be if teachers had 20% of their time they were able to use to what they're passionate about? Have you thought about this, about, you know, addressing this for teachers and what they're passionate about? I think it would be so great. I think it could completely refocus planning time um, if that's, you know, something they're blessed enough to have. Right. <laughs> um, and not always glued to the copy machine, but I find that I spend a lot of time during my planning period coming up with ideas, and that's where Genius Hours came up with in middle school for me. So I really think it's something and if teachers were able to do this, if teachers were able to, you know, I honestly believe that if teachers were able to focus on an area that they're passionate about, you would get much fewer teachers leaving the profession due to burnout. You would see teachers doing things like start, even more teachers doing things like starting blogs, like you know, sowing their entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial roots or just, you know, having time to be happy. I think sometimes we are so jam-packed to teach us a teach this curriculum, discipline these children, do these PLCs, contact these parents. Nobody really thinks about, you know, how do you keep teachers in, um, how do you keep teachers happy? That's like a very basic premise, but it's something that's not done in schools. Yes. To do that, we need the time to actually continue our research and practice our methods and, and look at this stuff. And it can't always be as great as PLC is. It cannot always be with other people. Sometimes you really need that alone time to develop those ideas because ultimately it's going to be you alone in the classroom. So I think it's so important if we want to consider teachers as, as the expert go-to in our school, giving them time to cultivate that 
Right. And you know, that's one of the things that I think is really important because teachers, we're the experts. We, like you said, we're the experts. Like that's why I started the blog for the educators room. Teachers are the experts and we give, te- we give doctors time to plan, lawyers bill for their planning time and teachers are kind of just like, oh, you have an hour a day or 45 minutes a day. You should have enough. Why are you not doing everything perfectly? And I think, you know, part of being a professional is getting that time to develop ideas. And that's the only way that we can grow teaching as a profession. Right now, it's at a dead end. There are people who are literally like, I want to be a teacher, but I can't deal with the disrespect of being a teacher. Okay. I'm sure there are hundreds of teachers right at this very moment sitting in their pajamas, coming up with ideas, lesson planning on Pinterest, connecting, networking, and we don't get any credit for that. Right. And, and, and I really think it goes back to people don't understand just how detailed, not even detailed, how intricate being a teacher really is. Like the type of planning, the classroom management, just everything. They don't understand that. And I think if they were, if they had to walk a mile in a teacher's shoes, they would be, it would be very, very different. It would be very, very different. They would, they, they would be exhausted for sure. So we're wrapping up. Is there anything else you want to say about the genius hour, your implementation, anything you want to tell teachers, just go ahead. It's yours. Can you tell everybody where they can find you? Tell them one more time. And guys, it'll be in the show notes. But tell them one more time where everybody can find you um, if they're looking to look at your website. It's beautiful. Um, I know you have a thriving Teachers Pay Teacher store. But kind of tell everybody where they can find you on the interweaves. So this is awesome. I'm super excited. Guys, in the show notes, you will um, I'll link to all of her social media. Um, please take a second, share this video with anybody who's interested in the 20%, I'm sorry, the Genius Hour, and join us next week. Um, we're going to talk, we have a really great episode coming up where we talk about a teacher who quit her job and moved to almost like a sustainable farmland, and she's going to talk about why she did it. So join us next week. Um, Jen, just hold on for one second.